we're trying to solve this from a mental perspective, from what needs to happen from our thinking. And, and there's a lot of value for, for you know, like a cognitive behavior therapy and all these things have its place. Yes. Yeah. The, so, but the, the thing is we're trying to heal ourselves. So we're trying to heal this collective of, you know, body, mind, emotion, spirit, but we're not really addressing or using the body, which is a huge component in it. Welcome to the Lucas Scrobot Show. I'm Lucas Scrobot, and this is where we uncover purpose, relentlessly pursue truth, and own the future. Today, we have a special interview with Manal El-Dabar, and I'm really excited about this interview for a couple of reasons. The first reason is, oftentimes, when I sit down with someone in an interview, it kind of feels like we're in an echo chamber where I'm a green and she or he is a green and it's just all sunshine and rainbows. And I'm sure this episode actually is going to be quite pleasurable. But as we have dug in with Manal and I and the pre-interview um, and talking about what do we want to discuss on this episode, I think both of us found out that, oh, we see the world a little differently. And I had a moment where like, ah, should we do this? Should we not do this? I, I hate, as much as I love conflict, I kind of hate conflict because I don't want, I don't want to get the reputation um, from my listeners or from my guests of like, yeah, it was kind of argumentative. So we're going to stay away from the argumentative stuff and we're going to realize that we can still have a relationship. We can still be friends. We can still have civil discourse when we don't agree with things. And that is actually the place that we get to move forward into understanding one another. It's where we disagree yet still choose to maintain relationship, maintain civil discourse. So today we are with Manal. Manal is a parenting embodiment coach, a movement coach, um, and we're going to unpack what embodiment is. We're going to unpack uh, what she does, her work, and we're going to kind of get into the weeds of of how and why we see the world differently and what that means for you and for I. So Manal, thank you so much for being with us here on the show. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Lucas. Uh, um, I'm really quite excited to dig into this conversation and, and start. It's just a, uh, a curiosity, really, uh, from my part. is like, you know, when you're doing something for so long and this is how you see the world, mm-hmm. how I see the world, and someone tells me, oh, that's not how I see the world. I'm really driven by curiosity. It's like, oh, I wonder what is, you know, the view from your, you know, stance, from where you are, from your experience, how do you see the world? So I'm quite excited. And uh, yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm, I'm excited that you are here. So let's start off by, by ans- you answering the question, what does it mean for you to be a parenting embodiment coach? What, the, what even is embodiment as you would, as you would define it? Okay, so um, embodiment is a is a word that are has becoming more popular in the last five ten years. Uh, it's something that it's existing for for so long. So it, it's not that anyone invented it. Um, and there are so many different definitions uh, for what embodiment is. For me, embodiment is who I am in in the whole sense of 
thoughts, emotions, feelings, body sensations. Um, one of my teachers, Mark Walsh, would say it's the subjective experience of the body. Is um, and another one of my teachers as well would say it's it's being um, with the sensing felt body as well as the thinking mind. So there are so many different definitions of it, but it's um, it's quite an interesting field that is it's about understanding who we are from quite a deep perspective, uh, a felt sense. Um, so we could feel and embody our thoughts. Uh, we could see how, you know, our culture, our um, upbringing, everything that we have encountered in life is uh, embodied in our cells. So um, it's something that it's happening and mm-hmm. it's great to be aware of it and use that uh, in not only understanding ourselves better, is also in developing ourselves in, in ways that we would want uh, to develop in certain qualities, in certain, you know, states, and so forth. So, um, so yeah, that would be my view on it. And probably you'd find someone having a different um, point of so is it is so what you're saying embodiment it's kind of taking more of that holistic approach of saying we actually are a body we actually have a spirit and we actually have a, a mind a seed of emotions and all of those are interconnected because I know you know a, a lot of people I'm kind of in that eastern and you guys kind of embodiment probably t- tangentials off of a lot of kind of like that eastern mysticism uh sort of yoga practices where where they say that our body is just a vehicle that we pass through this life and we are spirit and our spirit is just in this vehicle of a body so uh, is embodiment saying, no, we actually are our body. We actually are our mind. We're not merely spirit. And this is not just um, th- that the physical realm isn't as real. Cause that's what, a lot of what I hear um, from that side of the aisle is kind of this denouncement of the material realm um, and this exaltation of the spirit realm where there is no truth, um, no absolute truth and where um this is almost just this dream state that we're passing through to, to pass on to nirvana or whatever uh, the reincarnation that they believe. Yeah, well, embodiment is, you know, it's, it's there in the world. It's the body. Because, you know, whether you want to argue about what that uh, spirit is and what happens after we're, you know, we leave this body, we are right now in a body and Mm -hmm. denouncing or kind of get it, trying to get rid of that part of us, um, is, I don't know if it's useful. It's not, I don't, I don't see it as useful. So everything that who we are, you know, even our spirit, it's, it, it needs the body to animate. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's not, um, it's, it's essentially that we are all these things at the same time. And the body is the vehicle of, of how we could see it. So if I would say simple, you know, um, um, way of explaining it, if you would want to, if you would, you know, open a, a TV and just mute it, there's a lot of things that you could uh, notice, you could see, you could kind of tell how the person is feeling, what is going on, even if you can't listen to the language. And that is because what they're saying 
is animated, it's embodied, and we can see it um, mm. in that way, in their bodies. So it's, um, it's all of these things together. So um, one of the sort of, um, not founders, the elders, let's say, in the field of embodiments is uh, Richard Strozzi Heckler. And he has a very uh, kind of distinctions that he puts. So he says, you know, you could work on the body so that um, if we say, let's say in the yoga, because uh, you mentioned yoga. So working on the body is how do you sculpt this body, how it looks, that aesthetic of it. It's, it's beautiful and it's, you know, all these kind of standards. So that's working on, on the body as an object. Um, another distinction with it where you can add, you add the mindfulness part of it is working with the body. So you're noticing how you are in the body. You're noticing, oh, I'm stressed now. I'm relaxed and all that. Now, the third layer, which is embodiment, is working through the body. As a body of uh, a vehicle of, uh, or a process of change and living as well. So uh, we are... We are our bodies, no matter how much we'd want to, uh, some people would want to kind of put that like, oh, that's, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, you know, and we're not here to, to have pleasure and all that and pleasure is a sin and blah, blah, blah. That's, that's not what I'm, right. <laughs> I'm there for. And that's what, me- that's not what makes sense to me. Yeah. That's I, not how I see it. Yeah. I would, I would agree with you. I definitely agree with you on that, that we are our body. We are our mind. We are our spirit. We and, but we're we're each one of those things, and we're the the summation of of all of those things. Kind of that three in one, right? We're not. We, we are one person. We are not three people. Um, you know, you are one individual. I am one single individual. But I have three parts, and those three parts are this. You know, it is me. I am my body. I am my the seat of my emotions, my mind, uh, my soul, if you will. And I am my spirit. I am the. It's that three in one sort of uh, not dichotomy, but sort of that tension of of being the tension of reality. It, it it is, and you know, really, those distinctions are very is very much an internal experience. So it's not like you could see it differently, that this is a mind, this is a spirit. It's how we feel about something. Um, and it's really all, all of them together. It's, it's bringing it um, as a whole that each informs the other, not in a disconnect. So the opposite of embodiment will be disembodiment. And that's where... I think the state of most of the world right now is living completely in just the head as the, the chief, as the organizer, as the, the important part that is not, you know, other, uh, other than the, what's going on in our thoughts is dismissed. So emotions are dismissed. Uh, body sensation is dismissed as secondary or not even uh, important. Uh, and, that's the, you know, it's disharmony. So we're saying, you know, thinking brain is, is the only and most important. And what embodiment comes in and saying, no, there is, the thinking brain is great. 
we need that. We need the logic. We need the analysis. We need that kind of um, um, intelligence, if we put it that way. But what about the, uh, the brain, the body brain, the felt brain? Uh, that brings a lot of, you know, that's the, where our intuition comes from, our emotions come from. That is also a huge source of intelligence. That's our body wisdom. So, um, and if we're focusing a lot on embodiment and uh, coming back to our body, it's because we have disconnected from it. So it's in the practices that I do and, you know, a lot of embodiment uh, teachers um, do is kind of bringing that also to the surface so we could work with both intelligences, mm. with both brains now, as earl- a whole. Earlier you mentioned um, – that we are, you know, the summation of our experiences. We are the summation of our our physical body, where we grew up, uh, the culture of our family, the culture of our our school, our neighborhood, our chemistry. Um, in the embodiment practice, would would you say that you believe in determinism, in that we do not have any sort of free will, but we are just a, a bag of chemicals that are firing, or and or just social constructionism saying you are the way you are because of your environment or do you believe that there is a level of agency that there is a level of free will and that it is the choices that we make the the thought life that we choose to to guard to walk in the thought processes we choose to adopt um the way that we choose to react in the face of um opposition or or hurt or um yeah just being wounded how much of that do you do you see as well that's just determinism you know you are the way you are just embrace your feelings you know if you're feeling envious or hateful or rage filled you know that's okay just embrace that or are you saying you actually have agency and and power over those emotions, and you have a responsibility to steward those emotions in a way that is is right, in a way that is righteous, um, in a way that is life giving and blessing to other people. How would you how would you see that dichotomy there? Uh, that's a that's a really interesting question, and you know, choice is quite an interesting thing because in um, many times we kind of think that we have a choice but we are actually responding out of a pattern that we think that we're making the choice. So, so um, I'm going to, I'm going to pause you really quick. Yeah. So yes. do you, is, is, do you have agency and self-control is my question. Obviously, oftentimes mm-hmm. we're in a pattern and we're just doing what our pattern says, but do you mm-hmm. actually have agency and self-control to stop? Do you believe? Okay. Yes. There's a more pointed question in it. Yes, yes, uh, I, I do. And it's not a, a, a straightforward process because, you know, the first, uh, the foundation of all of that is the awareness mm. part of it. So um, awareness of what I am doing right now. Um, if, if, I, if I don't have any idea what I'm doing right now, there is no space for me to make a choice. There's no space for me to change because how would you change or make a choice if you don't have no idea what, where you're starting from? 
So the awareness part and is like, okay, so I notice, uh, I'll give you an example from, for, from my life with, uh, with my own children. So I get, um, you know, kind of ticked off or, you know, how, as we say, triggered. I get my buttons you get triggered. triggered um, my buttons get pushed and I get all, all, uh, you know, agitated and, um, and I throw a tantrum myself as an adult, you know, and I blame it on my kids. And I get into that uh, kind of a, um, a fight or kind of a tension. And I did that for a while. And then, and I've, you know, I could say, okay, yes, you know, my dad was the same way, very reactive, very, you know, um, um, impulsive in, in that sense. So at that moment, I could... Um, you know, say, this is who I am. There's nothing I could do about it. And full stop. Mm-hmm. Now, when the awareness part of it, when I started this whole journey of connecting back to myself and becoming aware of what is going on internally, I've, I thankfully, and I think it's a great blessing, is that, you know, I've noticed like, okay, so I'm doing something that it's not productive. And I'd like to change that. So, I, I started saying, okay, this is something I need to change. I cannot do it overnight because mm. it has to be an embodied felt, you know, sort of downloaded into my cells. So what I, what I do is, what I did is practice centering, which is coming back to my breath, feeling the sensations, feeling calm down and doing that practice over and over and over until my ability to take that breath when something starts to escalate, I'm better, or, um, I'm better able to recognize first that, okay, now my shoulders are tensing and we're heading into the argument. Let me take a step back and take a breath, center myself, take care of whatever I need to do and come to that space of, I am actually able to make that choice. Right. Um, right. So, so, and, and that comes with practice until I've changed that pattern. And, you know, so I say awareness is a big part of it. It's the first, first step. Also understanding our physical body, our biology, how our nervous system works, which is, you know, once we are stressed, um, whatever that uh, is, our survival um, impulse comes in. We, we go, the, you know, the nervous system goes into the fight or flight or freeze response. That's like, okay, and this is, I need to defend myself. So it, either I'm fighting and this is my kind of more of a habitual pattern, uh, or I'm going to run out of the scene or I'm just going to freeze. So, and those states, the nervous system is either hyper aroused or uh, hyper aroused by becoming by intentionally practicing staying with my um sort of um what experts call the window of tolerance or or that space that within me that can be in a social engagement aspect where i could make judgment specific simply because when we're in a um, a survival mode our prefrontal cortex is shut down function. Right. So if I can have the ability to bring myself down from that hyper arousal to that state of, you know, and we, we say it clear thinking, then 
then that space, that is the best place for me to make a choice. So I don't, you know, it's, it's a process. And what I would like to say here that it is, it can be really difficult for people to overcome that because, you know, of, of traumatic experiencing of, um, of things that happened, it could be a really overwhelming for a person to recognize that they're in a um, stress response and they do, absolutely don't have the capacity to come back and then make a choice. Yeah. What, what, what I hear you saying, it's, it's like, if you don't recognize that you have a problem, then you're just going to keep on repeating the same things over the same patterns, the same ge- generational brokenness over and over and over again. Especially, I mean, I've uh, this past week, I've had so many conversations um, with people about the the normalization of of hypersexuality, the normalization of pedophilia. Um, especially, it's coming out, you know, with this cuties movie on Netflix, mm-hmm. and everyone's talking about the normalization of that, and then pairing it with that. Um, there is so much normalization of abuse and there's so much normalization of anxiety. I mean, the, the conversations of people that I hear, um, at least in, in the circles that I'm connected with, they're, they're, they're saying that, yeah, everyone just accepts the fact that everyone that they know is abused as children. They just accept the fact that everyone's dealing with suicide and depression and anxiety, where really the, the numbers since 2007 of, of depression and society among teens has skyrocketed, just at least the numbers that are coming out of America. And I'm assuming that those numbers are probably congruent um, on trend with most of the globe, at least the globe that's connected with the uh, internet and mobile devices. Um, But with that, there's this normalization and saying like, oh, we just laugh at it. Oh, it's normal. Oh, it's okay. Oh, this is just a world that we have to deal with. And because we don't recognize that this is actually a really dark and grave issue, we just let it continue. And though that's probably an, uh, that is kind of more of a, a, an extreme example of something that you're talking about, but it's a deeper underlying social problem and issue that we're facing right now in the world, where if we don't recognize that these things are issues, we'll normalize them, we'll embrace them, and we'll continue on in these destructive cycles. Um, absolutely. Um, and you met, you said something in the um, in the beginning, and you said responsibility. And if you kind of if you break that down, it's the response ability. So it's your ability to response uh, to respond to things. And that is really different from reactive mm. reactivity, where you it's it's coming out of uh, that. So yes, there are um, uh, a responsibility as as a person, as a society, as you know, you know, as a community, in saying, okay, these things do exist, and we need to address them. We need to find ways to. Um, to help those people. And, uh, you know, especially anxiety. And I, I, I don't say this lightly, but it seems sometimes that it's more of, um, a, not a trend in that, that everyone is trying to do that, but it's, you know, I hear what you're saying about normalization, that it's, it's, you know, it's something that happens to all of us as there. And therefore it's, you know, 
it's okay that it's happening. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's kind of, um, for a lack of a better word, not an okay thing to happen. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I, under, I understand where, where people are coming from in it. They're saying, you know, it's okay. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to be you. It's the, the whole kind of be kind to yourself. Don't beat yourself up. Um, to try to alleviate shame, but in the midst of that, I feel that the, the, the trap, right. It's like there's ditches on both sides of the road and where some of those ditches, the one side of it is you're super hard on yourself and being hard on yourself just creates more anxiety and you're just in this vicious cycle. The other ditch is saying, well, everyone deals with it and you're hopeless, you're stuck in it. You just need to learn to manage it, but there's no escape. There's no escape from depression. There's no escape from these suicidal thoughts. There's no escape from the generational abuse that has gone on. You are stuck in it because you don't have the res- the ability to respond. You, you are a victim. Um, and I think well, at least what I hear you saying is, well, you're not a victim, you have to be aware. You have to take responsibility. You have to take the responsibility because we all have that to grow the ability to respond correctly because we all have um, the ability to have self-control. Um, science has even proven that we have free won't, which means mm-hmm. that um, and, and this was a, a previous interview uh, with Dr. Michael Egnor, who is um, a neurosurgeon who has performed over 7,000 uh, surgeries. He was sharing how th- there have been experiments that, that show that there's something that happens in the brain before we go and press a button. And, and so that demonstrates that there's a, a reaction that happens before we're even conscious of the decision that we made. But then in that same moment – the, the experiment goes on where the experimenter said, okay, now I want you to decide to press the button, but before you press the button, decide not to press the button. And when that person decided to press it and then not press it, there was no more spike in the brainwaves. And what it proved was that there's actually a spiritual dimension by which we make decisions and have the ability to restrain ourselves with in those moments. And that's something that you even kind of mentioned about, okay, I'm, I'm becoming aware and conscious that I am stressed and that I'm not thinking clearly. Okay. How do I take a step back? How do I take a pause on this argument and say, okay, I need, I need a timeout. I'm realizing I'm triggered. I'm realizing that my thoughts are in this cycle. My frontal cortex is not operating correctly. I'm going to choose to withdraw myself until I can get out of my cycle, get untriggered, and then decide to respond and ha- decide to respond when I have the ability to respond in that. So I, I kind of lost the trail a little bit, but coming back to it, it is there's two ditches. And I think the way forward is realizing that actually there is a path to real freedom that we are not victims in our circumstances and we do not just need to learn to manage our dysfunction, to manage our depression, to manage our anxiety, to, but there's actually a path to holistic healing. Um, you know, in, in my circles, we use the word sozo, which means healing of all healing and restoration and freedom of both mind, soul, spirit, body, um, which is similar to what you're talking about. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, one thing that comes to mind, you know, dealing with anxiety and dealing with all those two ditches that you um, that you mentioned that many times that I that I see that we're really trying to solve the problem. And when I say we as 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 collective, uh, we're trying to solve this from a mental perspective, from what needs to happen from our thinking. And, and there's a lot of value for, for you know, like a cognitive behavior therapy and all these things have its place. Yes. Yeah. The, so, but the, the thing is we're trying to heal ourselves. So we're trying to heal this collective of, you know, body, mind, emotion, spirit, but we're not really addressing or using the body, which is a huge component in it. And that's why a lot of things you know, if you want to have it from a mental perspective, you know, you keep telling yourself, like affirmations, they might work. But if it's only that, if it's just my um, thinking brain is telling me what to do, it's not going to work. It might work, but it might take a really, really, really long time. But And that's why embodiment is such a, a really an important um field or, or, or think that we want to um, see more of is bringing back the body into this. So it's not about, um, you know, dealing with anxious thoughts. It's also sensing how we are connecting with how is my breathing right now? How is my posture right now? So, and I think that's a very important piece that is in many ways has been, um, you know, not even recognized mm. in, in, in the way of, um, of healing. On the other part, you mentioned earlier, you know, there are sometimes there's so much focus on healing on a spiritual level that is also disconnected from all thoughts and our body sensations. If we are, if we want to get to somewhere, to that ability to respond, to ability to choose all of these components would have to come in play. Mm-hmm. And really, um, the body, one of my teachers used to say, it's, it's like the highway. You know, It's much easier for me to recognize with practice that you know, this conversation or this situation is, um, I need to step back from it if I notice that there is some tingling on my shoulders instead of going too far and getting into that rage where, you know, going back is no longer an option. Mm. So I think that there's a lot that we are agreeing here on a subtle level. Yeah, I think, I th- right, no, no, I think we, we agree on, on a lot of the kind of outer shell when we look at the, the holistic and we even in the, in the pre interview when we're messaging back and forth um there's a i think there's a lot that we agree on i think the the path the path to that is where um we're going to find uh, disagreement but before we get into that i i want to hear more about um what you do in parenting I, I was listening to um one of your uh podcasts today it was one of your um IGTVs, and, and you were talking about that if we have a problem in parenting, and, and I f- think I understood you correctly, it's the problem is not 
the child. The problem is you. The problem is you from probably years ago when that child was one, two, three, and the patterns that you developed, the way that you treated. And this is, you know, my wife and I, we have, we have four just absolutely amazing boys. I mean, just the kindest, sweetest boys. And all the time, People are coming to my wife. They're not coming to me because um, I think people are wise enough to recognize that she does all the work. I'm like, yeah, my kids are great. And she did it. Um, But they're always coming to us and asking. And that is one of the first things that my wife says, that if you are experiencing a problem within your kids, within your relationship with your children, it's probably your issue. The responsibility rests on your shoulders first. How are you raising and engaging. So I would love to hear some of uh, the things that that you teach, how you help people kind of, and what some of your um, ideology, methodology, mindset um, in teaching parents how to take upon that responsibility to maintain self-control over themselves and engaging with those relationships. Um. Yes. Um, and, and that's a lesson I have learned, you know, well into my parenting journey. So I, I, you know, would have been great if I had that. But, you know, I think as humans, we kind of learn when we are, you know, at, you know, rock bottom, not when we are just reading a book when before having any kids. Um, so yeah, it's, and I've mentioned this earlier, so I get, you know, very reactive and I get stressed, um, uh, a lot. Um, I, at least I used to, uh, I'm getting better. So, um, so my reaction over the little things, uh, was, was, was not very healthy in now reflecting it back. And, and I've always, you know, kind of was trying to teach the kids, Okay, so uh, if something happens, you know, take a few breaths. Don't get stressed over the small things. And then one day when I saw that mirror (laughs) that is our kids and I recognized myself in in one of my uh, kids' behaviors and I was like, oh, my goodness, this, this needs to change. This is the hard truth. And it's just like, I know no parent would uh, love that moment, but it's like, oh my goodness. Um, and I say this with, without any guilt. I, you know, I believe in when you do know better, you do better, but it's like, okay, so I, you know, created this pattern that has been created in me and I'm creating it with my own kids. So when I, decided to, or became aware of, okay, how do I do that? And it was a quite a long process. It didn't happen overnight. Um, then I recognized that, you know, really kids learn from what we do, mm-hmm. not what we say. Yeah. And um, as I dug deeper into learning about our nervous system and how our nervous system um, regulates, self-regulates and co-regulates, uh, then I realized there was no, and the importance of that sense of safety that children, we all need, but, you know, as children, we need it more because we are very helpless, uh, is, is the foundation of a healthy, you know, attachment with our children and with our caregivers. So, so this is kind of the, the foundation is recognizing that whatever our kids 
are doing, it's sort of they're feeding off from what, what we are doing. So their behaviors, a lot of things. I had you know issues with my behaviors of my kids, and I've always kind of uh, jumped to the experts and what to do. So you do this, and you create this structure, and you create this behavior modification plan and all these things. And they might work, but the, 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 the main part that needed change is myself. Right. And, and that, when I started doing that, that affected the behavior. It, 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 at least it, it did not escalate things. So that's the number one thing I, uh, I'm telling, you know, parents when I'm doing the um, sessions, the group uh, coaching sessions, is that it starts with you. It's not about your child. Mm. You know, you know, we do come with our, you know, temperaments and uh, behaviors and all that. But I, essentially, if the child does not feel safe, all bets are off. Yeah. And nothing would work. So how we can restore that sense of safety within us first and understand that um, what we f- do, what we feel is very important then we could start getting somewhere. Mm. So, you know, the, the first thing that I teach is self-awareness, is how, how basically what we do affects how we do things. So if we're, you know, as simple as, you know, tensing our muscles all the time, we're shoulders, we have our shoulders up to our ears and we're having, you know, our palms in a fist, we are not relaxed. You could... Even sense it with a person if they're um, if, if that. So our kids see that and understand that we're we're tense, we are stressed. Um, if I can't recognize what I am doing, if I can't recognize what my children see, then I'm not in a place where I can choose how I want them to feel or. Um, not how I want them to feel, but how I am feeling and how I want them to recognize that. Mm. So that's the first layer uh, of it. It's, it could be simple, you know, and you could experiment with that and, you know, walk with your heads looking down with your shoulders hunched and notice how you feel about that. And then, you know, bring your shoulders up and have your eyes look at the horizon and you'd notice a, a shift because how we posture ourselves affects how we, um, the way we, our perspective as yeah, a whole. Yeah. Um, so that's the basic first thing. Then it's centering, it's coming, self-regulating, of coming that back to the space I, 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 I spoke about earlier, is that space where I can think clearly, where I could feel okay and I've learned that this is an important thing to do because that's how our kids learn to self-soothe, mm-hmm. to feel safe. So, um, and then, you know, the, one of the major things about parenting is that we try to do it perfectly and there's no room for error. Mm. And, uh, and that is not true. Even, you know, experts would tell you, you know, it's, um, it's something that mm. that does not exist. 
So that, you know, for, for parents to understand that, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all these things. Sometimes I do fall short. And sometimes I, I, I'm, I don't have the capacity to do the things. And that's all right, as long as we're, um, we're repairing if anything happens. You know, the rupture and repair, something, you know, I get all kind of riled up and I'm stressed about something at work and I kind of snap at my kids. That happens. That's <laughs> it's life. Right. Uh, the, 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 the difference is me recognizing that that happened and going and saying, OK, this happened and, you know, repairing it. Right. It's not simply. it's it's not the absence of conflict, but how do you resolve conflict? And it's exactly, you know, in, in our relationship with our kids, my wife and I, you know, that's the thing. It's like recognizing, OK, I messed up. I'm going to go repent to them. I'm going to go and apologize to my my children, if only to set that example of saying, when you mess up, you apologize. You own your, you know, how you hurt someone. You own your action. You take responsibility uh, for your actions. Now, you said uh, oh, a couple things that I wanted to touch on. Um, oh. One of them, again, it was just coming back to, um, I don't know if I like the word awareness, but in some ways it is the awareness. It is that um, hitting rock bottom conviction, if you will, of saying there is there is a problem and there is something wrong. Um, and that is kind of one of the points that, that drives us to making change. Um, rather than just knowledge, but it's actually the the experience and, and feeling the brokenness and admitting that we are broken, which actually drives us to the point of asking questions and trying to find answers, not just knowledge, not just knowing better. Um, and one thing that my wife and I always always go back to is what is the what is the definition of love? What does it mean to love? And and one of the things that that love is, is that love covers a multitude of sins. And one of the strategies or tools that we employ when we recognize that, okay, there's, there's a conflict going on with our kids or maybe acting out in a, in a certain way, we kind of bring it back to what you're saying. Um, in the kids need that, that place of safety. They need to know that they have a sense of belonging. They have a sense of safety that they can trust their parents. We come back to us and say, have I been loving my kid? You know, whether they're chewing their nails or whether they're kind of hanging their head or, or responding in kind of a grumpy manner, I, instead of coming down hard on them, our, our first kind of step is like, have, have we been loving them well? And when we recognize that we haven't, it's like, okay, instead of going to behavior modification, it's we're going to go to love. We're going to sit and and spend extra time with that child to bring them into that relationship. And oftentimes that brings a sense of healing. So and not just a sense of healing, but that brings that restoration within a relationship. Um, I heard something recently this week and I just heard it. I've heard it many times before in my life and articulated many ways, but oftentimes we go to behavioral modification to 
get right relationship, whether it's with God or whether with, with other people, right? Mo- most of religion is behavioral modification. It's saying, I'm going to modify my behavior enough in order to get this right relationship with my wife or with my ki- children. I'm going to modify my behavior enough in order to get right standing with God. But the reality is that there, that behavioral modification doesn't put us in right standing or right relationship with people, but it's right relationship which produces the right action. It produces the behavioral modification, if you will, that we are yearning for. And actually, we have that backwards. Oftentimes, we're doing things to gain the affection of people, to gain the approval of people, rather than starting from the baseline of, I'm going to have right relationship, and out of that springs the behaviors that we want or yearn to see in our relationships. We have to go to a break. Do not go away. We are going to be back with Manal and we're going to begin to dive into uh, probably some of the more spiritual side of her work and maybe where we end up disagreeing. So roll on over to the next episode and we'll see you there. Thank you so much for listening. Please, if you have a question about this episode or any other episodes. I would love to hear them. You can WhatsApp me at plus one two zero two nine two two zero two two zero. And also my book, Anchored the Discipline to Stop Drifting. I wrote this book in a time of my life where I felt like everything was slipping through my fingers. All of the metrics that I had of what it meant to be productive just slipped away. And so I wrote this book and it's filled with just short principles, ideas by which I can build a framework and which you can build a framework to be able to take steps forward in life, to reach your dreams and reach your goals without putting heavy weights and heavy expectations on yourself. Thank you so, so much for being here. Remember, you are a truth seeker who goes out and uncovers your purpose. So, Go and own your future this week.